Welcome back to Silver on the Sage podcast. I'm Caitlin Lowe, your host. This is episode 15 with Zach Tuggle, also known as Moose to some. Um, Zach worked in 2004 at Services. 2005, he was a program counselor at Crater. 2006, program counselor at Poblano. 2007, camp director at Crater Lake. And came back in 2009 for half a summer. He was the camp director at Clear Creek. In this episode, Zach talks about the mysticism of um, the logger camps and logger ball. Um, He also discusses um, legends such as Gene Schnell and other people we all know and love so much at Philmont. This is just really a good episode with lots of laughs. Um, So kick back enjoy. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Hey, Zach, how's it going? Good. How are you today? I'm really, really doing well. I'm excited to chat with you this afternoon. And you are coming from Atlanta, is that right? Yeah. So I am currently in Atlanta, Georgia um, for the near next couple of months at a minimum. So, Okay. All right. I feel that. I am in Des Moines, Iowa. Hopefully not forever, but um, yeah, (laughs) it's where we are for the time being. But um, yeah. Anyhow, let's, let's just just hop on here to the the traditional beginning of of episodes and I'd love to hear how your life led you to Philmont and just kind of the beginning of your story. Yeah, sure. Um so so I grew up with boy scouting. It was a big deal in my family. I am a long line of Eagle Scouts. Um but when we were living in southern Indiana, the boy scout troop that we were a part of um made a big emphasis on Philmont. Um I think it's also one of the only troops, it's it's no longer in existence, unfortunately, but the, one of the only troops that was able to get back to year-to-year slots for Philmont because of how large we were. Okay. Um, and for us to hold a leadership position in that troop, we were required to go to Philmont. And so went to Philmont, did two treks in 2000, 2001, and then did Rayado um, in 2002. Um, and that was my extent as a participant, but it was just a place, um, after seeing it that I wanted to be part of and, and to go out and visit it. It did not hurt that our scoutmaster's son is, is Andy Gerhardt, who is one of the leading members of the Tabasco donkeys. Yeah. And so he was, when he would come to scout camps and summer camps, you know, he would push some of us older, older kids to, to go and do it. And so I graduated high school in 2004. And literally the next morning at 5 a.m., I was on a plane from Indianapolis to Albuquerque, New Mexico to go to my first job in services. All right. Yeah. Okay. So how, like, how was services? Was, did you apply for that position or did you just end up there? Uh, So I ended up there. Um, I don't know how it is. It is what it is. I think everyone who puts down the three choices, I think very few of us um, initially when you're 18 put down like wanting to work in services or dining hall. There are some who do because it, it does have its perks. Um, but I think I had put down backcountry PC, Ranger, and cons, and I got services. It was initially 
not the greatest thing. My parents will laugh that I was just like hated it, wanted to leave repeatedly. Um, but it, we stuck it out, ha- had a really good time. Um, the, the gentleman who was running service at the time, Dale Hyatt, was involved in Philmont throughout the time that I, that I was there and was just an awesome guy to work for, especially being 18 and Dale at the time, probably being in his late, late forties. Sorry, Dale, if you're listening, Um, but, but really put the emphasis on us as the younger guys working in there and allowed me to have a lot of fun with that job when I think most people would not think it was fun. Um, But it was, it was a good time and you have to sometimes earn your, earn your spurs at Philmont before you kind of are given like a first choice. And, and that's what it was. I had fun. I had friend, two friends who were in the back country. So, I mean, it, it worked out. Yeah. You know, um, actually, my husband, Jimmy Lowe, he, his first summer was PC Bobian, but then uh, he was slightly demoted and he worked away at, at services. But Dale Ooh. was there as well. As well. Mm-hmm. Dale was there. And Jimmy, like to this day, still talks about how Dale was awesome to work for. Um, yeah, Dale was great. And then I, I think I truly learned that to impress, pe- impress the opposite sex, you needed to know the two-step after seeing Dale two-step at, at the Western Nights. And so that's that's where I get my mediocre two-stepping skills from is Dale Hyatt. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad you had, you know, a good first year there in services. And then um, you really took off um, and uh, you were at Crater, Poblano, Crater, and then um, Clear. And yeah, I mean, the the logger... The logger boy, the logger world has just, I mean, probably endless traditions, things, oddities, um, you know, mysticism. um, And and you were, I mean, I remember you um, with that top hat and that (laughs) big leather belt and just being, you really embodied that. And, and, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, what did you love about, about that? So I think after like seeing those guys up there and when I worked services, my best friend in high school who's in my troop, somehow he applied like three months after me. His name is Mark Phillips and somehow got a job at Poblano like so late in the season for applying. And so I would go up and hang out with him. And at the time, I think Bucko Cowden was the camp director there. Um, John Vida Bear, Bear was up there with him. And so we hung out and it's just I fell in love with that that type of camp at, at Philmont. And I wanted to do it. And I remember the the next season in 05, I applied for it and got it. And we had a really good group of guys. So Mark Phillips, old man was up there. The camp director was Jeff Boder. Tim Culver worked there. Um, and I think Mark Bryson was also up there rounding out like the sixth. And it's such a, it's a cool camp because you get all the kids there on like their potentially first and second days you're far enough away where you can do your own thing, but you're close enough to get back if you need to get back. But it was a good group. Like we were, we were fun musically. I think I've always been at camps where we've been really good with skits and stories and just, and being able to joke with participants. Um, But it was, it was a cool year. Um, It was a good start. And I mean, thoroughly enjoyed it. Like there were not, I think Mark was, of even both of the camps that year, Poblano and Crater, I think Mark was the only one who had been a logger. And so we're doing like the intern training up there and, and he's running it, you know, at like 19, he's the one who's trying to teach us how to do all like the random tricks, trades and stories. Um, but it was, and it, and it just, that's what I wanted to do. 
And so then obviously the next year, 06 is probably my number two favorite summer up at Poblano with um, Patrick Davis. And there, that was a good, good group of guys up there. We had a cons crew who was there. So we were a large staff, um, but just heavy, heavy hitters of Philmont in my mind. So Patty was up there. Dom was there. Yeah. Andrew Balkan was there. Um, and so it was just, I mean, it was fun. Like there, there was just, it was a good, that was a great year. That's the year I think that I fully like learned like the true backcountry Philmont logger way. And even at that point, you know, how to run a camp the next yeah. season off of Patty. Um, and obviously that the kind of core group that was out there as um, backcountry managers and camp directors who were that season camp directors and then would be kind of peers the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so just taught, this is how you are supposed to do it. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, but I, but I loved it. I loved working with Patty, um, put a lot of trust in me and a lot of, I guess, empowerment just on, you know, moving forward with, with Filma and even told me, you know, for people who don't know, you know, you obviously do the, the two evaluations, one right before 4th of July and then at the very end of the summer. And he had told me even like the middle, middle of the summer at the end of the summer, he's like, don't go be a program counselor again. That's not what you're doing. Don't even put it on the, on the paper, Zach. Put down the, the camp director and go be a camp director the next year. Um, and that, that's what I wanted to do. And it was funny because even that year at the end of the summer, I talked to a couple of the guys who were at Poblano and I was like, dude, I'm going to be the Crater Lake camp director next year. Like I'm putting it down. Let's all come back for another season and just go to Crater Lake. And so toward the, like the spring or whatever, whenever we start applying for film, like I, I put it down, I got it. And I literally, once I found it, I got it. I started making phone calls and I called, I called John Bervita. I called Dom I called Doc, um, Andrew Balkan, I can't remember his last name, um, and one or two others. The other two guys just weren't going to film out that year or whatever, but like recruited people. And I don't know yeah. if they went and called or if they went and just wrote down Crater Lake on their um, on their sheet, their application, sorry. But they were up there at Crater in, um, in 07, and it was, it was the best. <laughs> Hands down, my, my favorite year at Philmont was just, it was a good staff. And it was a good staff for me in that, for the most part, we we were all friends coming into it. Vincent was the the lonely man out. Um, oh, and Jack Daly. And Jack Daly was also the, the other okay. odd man kind of out. Yeah. But we all got along. We all worked really smoothly together. And we got to a point toward the end of the summer where like, we were cutting our days short just because we didn't there, – there's not much to do. And so we were – a lot of times toward the the end of July and early August, we were just all up there. Yeah, just hanging out because you didn't – you just yeah, wanted to be just, together. People would run down to do laundry and come back up with like a pizza in their backpack. That's awesome. <laughs> it was great. Um, okay, um, so two things really quick. I, yeah. I'm – um. I'm like an avid journaler and, and I, I like to keep publications and different things. And mm-hmm. um, I have the Phil Newses from those years. And, okay, I remember two really hilarious Phil News articles. One of them was, I think they called you the prince of the the union suit, the red oh, union God. suit. Oh, God. 
because yeah. <laughs> you wore it all the time. So I had to just shout out that and just how much uh, it talks about how much you loved Interp Living and and um, you were going to start uh, a blogger ball league at the University of Montana in Missoula. <laughs> Um, and then about that. <laughs> the second article was um, that that summer, 2007, you were CD creator. Phil Lewis was CD Poblano, I believe. And you guys did a Sparple competition, I think. Yeah, and, I probably I, won that. I'm not I think you did. Yeah, I think in, I in the article, did. it says you... You you won in both speed and endurance. So, um, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. So those are the two things that kind of I was doing my research for this episode. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you guys just really, you know, knocked it out of the park for for those summers. And, and it just it makes me happy. It's fun to talk about, like, when the, the stars align and, like, you have yeah. those moments with those people in the backcountry. So, yeah. Yeah, you... you- you really start to click and I don't know. And I'm not having worked at a non-interpretive camp, you know, I feel like the people who start at interpretive camps tend to stay at interpretive camps and, and vice versa. And so you, and you've always click as just a peer group. And, you know, those are that core group of friends who you move through with Philmont. And it is, it's strange. It was strange to me. So I took 08 off and I went and attempted to do a Knowles course in Alaska, which was my greatest just disaster of a, a decision like on a summer I got a long story short I got a really bad staff infection and like a week into a month-long trip was put in a in an airplane and airlifted out of Alaska oh wow just, like, I couldn't hike anymore I couldn't walk without crying and so um so I missed a year and it was it was a really strange sensation to to come back to Philmont then in 08. Yeah. It was strange. Just yeah. like, I feel like my peer group left me. Yeah. So so you were CD creator in 07. You had that amazing summer. Missed 08. Came back in 09 as the CD Clear Creek. Is that right? Correct. So um, unfortunately, so, you know, for, for those of people who know me now personally or follow, see me on Facebook and stuff. So um, right after that summer, I left and joined the Marine Corps and became a Marine officer. And so... I was really distracted for for a good chunk of time kind of going to Philmont. And then in that early bit of it where I knew in my mind I should be focusing on really getting ready to go enter OCS and to to do that career. And, you know, thought about it a lot, you know, had, had a decent summer. The the guys who were up there were, were fabulous guys. We had fun, but at the end, of, it's just gnawing in my mind the whole time and I think about a month before or yeah, mid June, I went down and could not find anyone to talk to about this and found um, Elder Wilson, the, the Latter-day Saints chaplain, who just for people who remember him, just a fantastic guy and always happy to talk to you. And I, I like pulled him aside in the meadow by backcountry services and where all the cabins are. And I just told him and I, I was upset and I was like, this is, this is on my mind. And, and he didn't even like hesitate and was just like, you need to do what you need to do. And it sounds like you're in the wrong spot for the summer. Um, so I tried to find Doug, um, Palmer, the backcountry, the five, as we like to call him. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't find Doug, left him a note at the backcountry warehouse said it was important. I needed to, to speak to him in person, not over the radio. Um, he called up on the radio like a couple of days later and was like, Hey, I'm coming up. I'll be up there whenever. Um, 
He asked, he came up, you know, we went into the woods, which is always a little nervous, um, <laughs> but had a really good conversation with Doug. Um, for, for, I guess, the listeners who don't know, Doug is a Marine veteran from Vietnam and fully understood, you know, one, my desire to join the Marine Corps and to do that, but also understood that the step I was taking next was really a, a big deal. And if I wasn't in it, he was like, you know, let's finish it out. Um, told him who I thought should run the camp was causing the least amount of interference or just, you know, inner drama. Um, so I came down at 4th of July with Matt. Um, I can't remember his Latin. Manipella, I think. Sorry, Matt, if you're listening, apologize. Um, but he took over. Um, I took... I took maybe a little passive aggressive attitude from a couple of the higher ups. It is what it is. Philmont is a big commitment, especially, you know, it's, they're not going out and hiring people off the streets. You know, they're having to promote people in house when, when things like what I did happened. Right. Um, but I left the rest is, is kind of history. Um, things, well, seem know, to have worked, things, things seem to have worked out. So, yeah, I'm glad they did for you. And I think the coolest part of that story is you had like two really important people at Philmont, Elder Wilson and Doug Palmer, who who like totally had your back and they really helped mentor you through that and said, you know, we got this and, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they were there for you. And I was interviewing Todd Zinn, the Jewish chaplain. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, whenever I was having, problems at Philmont, which we all do. I never thought to go to the chaplains. For some reason, I always in my head thought like, oh, no, they're there for the participants. Yeah, yeah, um, right. But they're, they're so there for us, too, for the staff members. And so I'm glad that, no, that you experienced that. Yeah. Yeah. All of them are wonderful people who truly want to be there. Um, you know, I'm trying to think. Uh, Bucko's dad was a chaplain for a bit who would always come up and hang out with us. Rusty, uh, my other yeah. favorite is actually um, Bishop Gettlefinger. From what's what's strange is the the Catholic diocese in Evansville, where I was from at the time, and he made it a point because I, I went to the Catholic high school, so he knew who I was, and he would come up and talk to us. But just yeah, I I never thought really until that moment that of the people I would need to talk to since my core group of senior friends had kind of moved on yeah. um, was the LDS chaplain who just open arms was like, "All right, let's get through this, Zach. We're gonna we're gonna figure it out, and don't beat yourself up." So. But yeah. just a wonderful guy who was there exactly when I needed him. So. Yeah. Um, thank you for your service. And let's jump back a little bit to sure. to uh, logger, logger life. You want to talk about any traditions, legacies, um, story? You want to insert, interject a story or just something yeah, like, so- that you love, what, what you love about it? I think both of the camps have, you know, their, their unique traditions. The, I guess both, both of them kind of do the logger children. And I remember the logger children from when I was a participant and, and that being that essentially we would, you know, just tell participants that because we were an all male camp, our wives are, were gone and our children were somewhere in the woods at school but that are, you know, as sexist as it sounds now, like our wives don't bake. We we don't bake either because we're men and we need snacks, snacks. <laughs> and so, you know, it gets kind of elaborate. So so my friend Mark Phillips, like the first week that we're up in a crater, 
where no participants are there. It's just you like, you know, shaking out the camps. He built a sign, took, took like a bunch of nails and, and rammed them into the end of like a, just a stick, heated them up on a fire repeatedly and burned out like send baked goods to Crater Lake logger children, like the full address. And like, I mean, it was a big sign, like 34 <laughs> inches. I mean, it was a monster. And I remember like he walked, he worked on that sign all day, <laughs> all day. And I was like, we have to have better things to do than this. But I'm like, it got us baked goods at the end. So I'm like, that was fine, Mark. Good job, buddy. <laughs> um, you don't play, you obviously don't play logger ball at Crater Lake. There's not really a spot for it. Or if there is a spot, I think you're more prone to break an ankle. Right. But that was the cool thing too at Poblano. We obviously had the logger children once again, but you've got logger ball. And mm-hmm. I don't get why the participants are just not capable of of beating, you know, six college kids for the most part, even with all the cheating that we just allow to happen. But I guess the last rule being loggers always win. We always win. And it is just two of my, my yeah, so... It is an entertaining time for sure. That's also where the the union suit stuff comes from. That year, I was pretty heavy into wearing the red long johns. I would definitely wear playing though in those or whatever just to, for a laugh. Um, I do remember a couple of times. You know, I used to just do lead off for logger ball, and I, I guess we should explain logger ball. Sorry, we kind of missed that. Um, <laughs> logger sure. ball being the three inning game created by some board. Um, camp director or program counselor years and years ago, uh, three innings. The ball is a rock that is wrapped in duct tape, roughly the size of a softball, but weighing the same amount as a bowling ball. And then you're usually batting with an ax handle or a, um, a log tong handle that kind of resembles a bat. Okay. But we, we play it and we play it us against the campers and they've never won. It is fantastic. Um, Bear would create stats and would maintain stats for us when we play. I do remember, we, you know, you let everybody pitch and play every position, just a melee out there. I used to lead off and the thing would be was I would just take a ball to the back because it was underhand pitch. And then, you know, we'd go to first base and then we'd have a runner on. And I remember one time uh, one of the female crews came up and they seemed pretty aggressive for the game. And we're like, oh, whatever, it's fine. But I didn't realize at the time they started to kind of spread themselves out of all the positions and she went to wind up and I started to step into it. And I realized that she played softball and pitched softball and she winged in a rock. I'm pretty sure if it hit me, it would have broke a rib. It was (laughs) scary. And I just remember, I was like, nope, new rule. We're going to write it down. No softball pitchers. But it's just, I mean, it's a crazy, it's a crazy time. That's also, so here's um, another random one. You can do any, there's one of the innings, the rule is you can do anything to advance the ball, like anything. And somehow we had acquired a golf club. And so I caught it, put it on the tee or built up a tee, put it on there. And I would swing at it with a golf club. We had a participant who ran up like mid swing and I did not see him from the angle he came in. And I took that that golf club, like just nailed him pretty good in the in the shin. Oh man. It was it was it was bad. It was really scary. Um luckily did not 
you know, didn't break anything. Thank goodness. Just he got a nice cut. Um, but that was probably the the most nervous I've ever been at Philmont about something that just, you know, and after that, the golf club disappeared, went bye-bye, down a mine shaft, into the woods, just somewhere. Um, he was really cool with it. His dad was an advisor, and his dad was even like, he shouldn't have run up there. Um, He's probably got a, a scar yeah. to this day. And he, this oh, is from yeah, Waterball yeah. of Filma. It's awesome. <laughs> that crazy guy. I actually have I have a picture with that kid somewhere in one of my Filma boxes. Um, but it, it was, yeah, it was, yeah, that was pretty crazy. We were a little gun shy about logger ball and changed some of the rules, but it is, I think it's probably one of the best like evening porch, um, activities that, that Philmont does. I think it's, it's just right there next to the cabin and it's, it's a lot of fun because you have staff who will hike up to play. You have rangers who will play if you, if we so choose to let them play. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. Awesome. Um, aside from the usual duties, um, was there anything you were called upon to do during your experience, you know, on staff at Philmont that, uh, surprised you or was challenging or, um, caught you off guard? Um, I, I think we, you kind of underestimate that at 21 or 22, like fairly young, if you haven't really ever done a management job, how much kind of people management comes into it. And it's, it's an interesting thing. I think I got really lucky in that all those guys were my friends. Nobody had personality conflicts, but you would just hear stories about personality conflicts when you would go for the CD meeting on the fourth. Um, And that's, that is an interesting thing. I think the most I've ever had to deal with up at camp was, you know, telling guys one to cool off, you know, cause everyone's going to rub, we're all going to rub against each other and just not, not want to hang out. Um, inevitably you have to tell someone on an interp staff that being interpretive does not mean that you're stinky and not bathing and not showering and, and not taking your interps to clean them. You know who you are. Um, <laughs> and, and that, that it's just one of those ones. You, you don't want to be doing that at 21 is telling that dressing down a pier or not dressing down, but just, dealing with that type of situation. Um, it is also surprising too how many kind of crew conflicts or issues with, with adult advisors you have to deal with um, at 21. And it's one thing to talk to participants who are anywhere from, you know, in their teens to 18, 19 to an adult advisor. And that is always an interesting thing to do. You, you really have to sometimes be very aggressive about it, especially um, Clear Creek. It usually gets kind of bad. Inevitably, a scout is is hiking slow or another advisor is is on the verge of having a heart attack because so-and-so is a doctor. And you're just like, no, you're not. You, we're Philmont is you are as strong as your weakest member. Like it's you are meant to finish together, not send someone down and then reroute them. And that was a big help for me, especially moving forward as a, you know, in the Marine Corps was that at 21, I got really good at, at just working with small teams and then also being confident because you, if you think about it too, you're sometimes far away from help. If something truly does happen, which, which unfortunately does happen at Philmont, you know, every so often, you know, at Crater Lake, you're, you're 40 minutes from help. 
but at Clear Creek, I'm a helicopter ride away from help. That's that's a somewhat intimidating intimidating thing, you know, in your mid twenties to be, you know, you're you're without help. Like even if it's something minor that breaks, someone's going to try to help you through the radio. But you have to be confident, in it. and and Philmont does a really good job of you know the I think two weeks or a week and a half of of training with just the camp directors of like this is who you call here's your cheat sheet this is what you need to do um, and and it is you become a manager I don't think you really want to be you just think that you can drink coffee with the advisors and and just you know eh, laugh at kids but. <laughs> You be it's a weird it's a weird role, but it really does kind of prepare you with life. As crazy yeah. as that is, I know I I one hundred percent agree. The camp director role was always my favorite role, and um, so much about it I even still tap into today. Um, even in just like interpersonal relationships with like my husband, even like being a mom, being a parent, um, a neighbor. Um, it, there's just so much of it that it in part, like it, it just all goes back to, to Philmont. So I, I resonate with that a lot. I feel you. Um, was there ever a position you would have loved to work or create that didn't exist if you could go um, back? So John, John Bear, Bear likes to, to brag. Bear thinks that he and I had the idea for um, Metcalf Station before Metcalf Station was like invented. And he will, oh. if you watch the, the Philmont Staff Association website when like, they post about Metcalf. He will undoubtedly post that it was our idea. I don't know if that's true, but he would explain that camp to me. I remember him explaining that camp to me. He's like, it'd be like logging a railroad camp where, where kids made railroad tracks. And I'm like, dude, that seems like a lot of work for a Philmont camp, man. I don't know if they're going to go for it. <laughs> um, I think the, the other two jobs. So I would have loved to have rounded out, being the uh, CD at Poblano. Um, yeah. After, after I got out of the Marine Corps in um, like 2012, we, we moved to Japan for my wife's remaining time in the Navy. And in this weird interim, I casually brought up that I wanted to go work at Philmont. And she was like, do it. Like you don't have a job in Japan, do it. And so I told her, I was like, I'm going to do it for one job. And it was to be a backcountry manager. So, you know, here I am, fresh out of the military, put in my one-page application for Philmont, uh, was not offered the backcountry manager's job, unfortunately. I think I even just wrote backcountry manager. Yeah. But they, they called, um, I can't remember who it was who talked to me, but was like, I just don't have it. We, we already set that up about a month and a half ago. I got offered just, I don't even remember what it was. It was kind of a random camp, but I was like, uh, no, no, thank you. I appreciate that. I was going to go do this one more time. Just, you know, if it was that job, it didn't happen. So, so I passed politely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think if I ever stop doing what I'm currently doing and, and go be a stay at home dad, um, I might see if my wife would be okay with me going and doing the backcountry manager thing again, just kind of just see if I could just get away with it for one summer of being a, a man child again. So. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't know. I don't know anyone who doesn't, you know, somewhere deep inside them want to go back to Philmont for one more summer. So um, Jimmy, Jimmy and I were talking about how uh, he he studied geology and he was he's like, we need to go back and be the visiting geologist at one of the mining camps. 
right? I about that job. Yeah. That'd be pretty kick. Yeah. And we'll cool. just leave our kids at the training center to do program and we'll go live at Cyphers or French, right? Or Baldi. You, so. you would even take your kids. I would probably dump mine with my parents or my wife's parents. And I think they would both be okay with it for three months <laughs> of me just okay. being an adult man child. <laughs> you, in a couple of years, you get the BCM role. We'll go be the geologists and we'll. I love it. Okay. I'll send you a note when I apply. (laughs) Okay. Um, Was there anyone, supervisor or camp director or somebody that in a leadership role that inspired you or just anyone out there that that really kind of is still in your mind's eye when you think of Philmont? So there's a few. I don't even know if I'm going to try to name the important ones. And I don't, I didn't tell them then. I think one of them knows but, you know, everybody who was a mentor, either, you know, officially, unofficially, those guys put me on a path. Those guys and girls put me on a path and they mean the world to me. I love them to death. You know, I've probably been a bad friend and not being as communicative with them now as I was then. But um, Patrick Davis, Patty, um, just huge mentor out there would just want to run the camp just like he did. Loved him to death for it. Taught me how to do it. And it was great. Um, Donnie Lunsford was another one. Donnie was actually, I've stayed in touch with, was one of my groomsmen at my wedding. Um, but just just their attitude, just on on how things at Philmont should be done. I think the two people who probably kept those, those urges in check, um, Jackie Clark, who is now, I believe, Jackie Zinson, um, who married Crazy Carl, uh, was my backcountry manager for, I think, most of the years that I worked out there. But was a great mentor just on being organized and and running the camps and just maintaining the function. And then Ashley Pagnata was another like camp director mentor. Like when I became a camp director, I remember sitting next to her and she had this just crazy three inch, just big thick binder. And I'm like, what is, what is in this Ashley? And she walked me through it. It was in her binder. And I, I like that night I was on the road to Raton or Taos to find a binder and some dividers. And I was like, Ashley's got this on lockdown. <laughs> um, but I mean, those, you know, Patty specifically, that's who I wanted to, to, to emulate, emulate, however you want to say that. Or just, that was the experience I wanted to be able to provide to campers, but also the kind of person I wanted to be to the guys who I worked with. Yeah. Uh, and so he played a huge role in it and I thank him till the day I die on it, I think. So. Yeah. Yeah. Love you, Patty. <laughs> We've talked a little bit just about um, kind of the unique stuff that you uh, dealt with. Um, personally, um, were there, what other challenges did you encounter at Philmont or, or lessons learned experiences? Um, I th- the most, the hardest thing for me, honestly, was that last season where just mentally the conflict in my head that was so bad. Um, but I mean, that's a cha- that was a challenging thing that very few people I think go through at Philmont because we all love it so much. It's how often do you hear about a staffer quitting? Um, and that was that was a really hard thing for me. That that was just not was not in a good place about it. I think the other challenging thing is is really just learning how to be a boss, and also re- having to do a, a peer review, you know, on all the guys who work for you. You know, as I put that in imaginary quotes, um, you have to kind of tell people and give them, you know, what do you need to improve and 
I've always been bad at that. I've slowly gotten better as I've become more of an adult. But that is a challenging thing. And I can only imagine it's even worse on staffs that are huge, like Bobian or some of the climbing camps where there's like 20, you know, there's tons of people. I mean, you truly have to kind of rank people. I'm like, these guys, they're all great. Sixes yeah. across the board. <laughs> One five because you refuse to take a shower. I don't care. <laughs> but it is, you, you, you do have to kind of become, you, at 21, you're not, you know, kind of an adult, but you grow up really quickly with that, with those guys working here. Like, all right, let's get it done. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, and you also talked a little bit about um, how, so you skipped 2008 and, and your peer group had changed or, or some people were gone and how that was a challenge too. And I think that's really interesting. Um, a good friend of mine, uh, Slim Yuri Baygertz. Yep. She, yeah, uh, she went back um, just a couple summers ago and worked in logistics. And she was saying how odd it was to know, first of all, kind of know no one, and then have nobody know you. You know, so yeah, um, yeah. It's it that that is that's I think that's really what it is on the head is that you're so used to being around and you get there and you're like. Well, who is who is this guy running running my camp? Like, yeah. I don't know you from anybody, you know. <laughs> and I think if you do take the breaks off, you, you really have to almost jump to a completely different department and just be like, "Yep, I'm a cons guy now," or "I'm Villa Famonte tour guide Zach Tuggle," um, which would be a blast, I think. But you, you do, and it is strange because people leave, but then also you've missed this whole summer of just craziness or whatever. And you don't have this story that everybody's talking about last year. And you're like, I remember six years ago when I was here and you're like, I feel so old right now. guys. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. There's, there's like a blip in the timeline. You have to kind of like clean slate almost. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll experience that when we go back as BCM and geology visiting geologist. Fingers um, uh, what do you miss most about it? Um, as corny as it sounds, the there's a meadow at Crater Lake that is just down from the pole yard going south. Uh, toward the end of the summer, I would actually, in the afternoons, we'd get stuff like wrapped up. I would disappear down there and just go hang out. I mean, it's a really beautiful place. I think Crater Lake is always going to have that spot for me to where, I mean, you just overlook you overlook everything and you know, you can watch storms rolling in and it, it is truly just, that's ah, a beautiful place. And yeah. it's a place that I'm, I'm excited that my, you know, both my son and my daughter, I'm going to force them to do boy scouts or, you know, adventure cruise, whatever, but they're going to be doing boy scouts and, you know, or scouts of America, however we call it now. Um, yeah. They're doing it. They can just accept it. So dad did it, uncle uncle did it, granddad did it, deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I'll get back out there. We had, um, we actually, the last year before COVID, we had started posting on the, the staff page or the staff um, association page about trying to do a logger like staff reunion. It seemed like a popular idea and then COVID kind of hit. And so... I think we'll probably try again. It's something that I know that John or Bear kind of pings me on every so often. And I think we'll probably put it back out there once things get back to uh, to normal and see how many we can get out there. It seemed like it was a popular idea at the time. So Yeah, 
That'd be fun. It'd be that'd be one heck of a campfire show. It would be intense. Yeah, bunch yeah of old, was... old, old farts hanging out with a bunch of twenty and nineteen year olds. Oh, God. <laughs> um, speaking of the campfire aspect of uh, Poblano Crater Lake, did what did you play? I, mandolin. So I play played being a, a very loose term. I I dabbled in playing the mandolin. Was not good at it at all. Um, <laughs> and I think toward the end, Dom and Doc both would just take my mandolin because I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm not playing. Oh boy. But that's what I did. It was one of those things. I think I was like, oh, everyone, you have to play music to go to the backcountry. So I did go, found someone to teach me in Missoula, Montana. Took some le- took lessons for for about a year. Got okay at playing basic like chop chords. Um, it still hangs around my house, the same one. It's in the same case. It's tucked away. My son wants me to play it desperately. And I'm like, let daddy relearn on some YouTube, buddy. Daddy's not good at it. <laughs> but, it, it, you know, it just made it more fun. It was always fun to lug it up there and, and take it and, and hang out with it, especially when you had someone who really could pick on it or you had, you know, crews could come through. And we did have one or two advisors who could play it. And they, it's, it's always impressive. It's a fun instrument to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So do you want to talk about any filflings? And if not, do you want to talk about any just fun friendships? I had a couple of filflings. Um, but um, I did. I am one of those Philmont staffers who met my wife there. And I think probably we met inadvertently. Um, so when, when I was working at Philmont in that age group, that was when Facebook started and it was a big deal to have a friend from another university, you know, or some random university. So all my friends are university of Montana. My wife, Emily was a wrangler in Oh six. Yeah. Oh six. Um, and I'm sure she passed through Poblano at one point on a cavalcade or whatever. And like, Oh, well, we'll just be friends on Facebook. We never dated during film on any of that, but um, randomly when she was in the Navy and I was in the Marine Corps station in, in San Diego. Yeah, it was getting time for Marine Corps ball and I was randomly on Facebook and here was this lovely lady who seemed to be also stationed in California and um, reconnected through a message on Facebook that was like, I see you worked at Philmont in 06. How would you like to get together for drinks? Because I didn't feed her dinner. Um <laughs> And the rest is is really history. We we started dating um, based off of a, a quick one liner, I think, about Philmont. Um, been married now for seven years. We've had three dogs. We have two lovely children, and awesome. that's kind of how it is. So but that's that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was a lot of fun. Good, good. Um, do you want to talk about what you're up to today at all? Anything fun you want to share? Hobbies, careers, passions. Yeah, so now um, I am in the the project management team for for a company called Holder Con- Holder Construction out of Atlanta, Georgia. Although we are a national contracting group, so I work. I do commercial buildings. I, um, you know, we live in Atlanta. We're actually getting ready. I'm getting ready to transition from a job in Georgia to the Salt Lake City Airport, which is being fully renovated that our company is is working on with another partner. So I'll be relocating out there uh, this summer. My uh, Emily, my wife, is graduating from nurse anesthesiologist school. 
Awesome. Wow. Quite a chore the past three years, but she has accepted a position just south of Salt Lake. And so we are uprooting the family and, and heading back west. That's really exciting. Yeah, it's it's um, it's quite the change. We've been kind of globe setting since we got out of the military, landed in Atlanta. And, you know, this is what we've decided to do. We both have enjoyed our time. You know, I went to school in Montana for five years. Um, we've worked out west. It's where we want to raise the kids and, and things of like that and give them those opportunities. Awesome. Are you guys do you do you have any plans to like go back to Philmont aside from the logger reunion? Are, like, would you in, um, um, entertain the the like PTC family thing they got now? I'm sure we would. Honestly, I you know it's such a cool place. I'm sure at some point we because I mean it's only I feel like Salt Lake to New Mexico or to Cimarron is can't be that bad of a drive. I'm sure it's one that we may just cruise over there at some point. Um, just a little, I mean, it's such a cool, it is such a cool place to see. I, I mean, I always, you know, the tooth, just that big valley and, you know, but yeah, it's, it is a big, it's a big part of, you know, my life, uh, probably not to the same extent it is to my wife, but it, it would definitely be one where, you know, let's go back. Let's see if we can talk our way in a suburban, go up to Crater. Um, yeah. Why not? So. <laughs> oh yeah. So, um, I guess one of my more funny stories is a relationship with, with Gene Schnell, Unit 41, um, at, at Crater Lake, my first year as a program counselor. The, the cabin, for those who don't remember it or hadn't seen it, it was not the greatest cabin. We had like a solar-powered fridge. It was tiny, like a college fridge. Your, your food would like, ugh. But um, in the rainy season, that road that runs along Crater would get pretty pretty gross. And we got to a point where it was storming pretty heavily. The road was being washed out. We were, we were not on the verge of starving, but new food was not coming. And we would ask pretty daily, is our food coming? Is our food coming? Like we're, we're running out of things that are, that we want to eat. And we got to a point where we were eating pound cake sandwiches with like peanut butter and jelly and Fritos. That was kind of what we had left. And it was bad. Yeah. And <laughs> No one was wanting to drive up that road. And then one that last morning, we're just like, I'm done eating this. We have to get food. I heard, we heard Gene Schnell on the radio call up unit 41 to Crater Lake. What is your road status? We were like, we don't care. It's fine, Gene. You can do it. And literally it was a, you can make it. And so 20 minutes, 30 minutes later, we heard him radio that he was on the at the bottom and was gonna. He's like, "I'm climbing to your location," and we heard that suburban or that I don't that pickup truck just claw clawing its way to us, and we were just so excited that we were not gonna have to eat just pound cake sandwiches anymore. But it was <laughs> Gene Schnell saved us from like hiking down to go buy our own food. It was <laughs> I mean, it was bad. Um, only he we, could make it up there. Only there are everybody knows there's a select few group of drivers of everyone who drives to Philmont who are, I guess, the bravest or the craziest. Usually it's a chaplain, but Gene Schnell is is one of those who, if you needed something, you were hoping that it was one of those people was coming to save you. And we heard him tell us that he was climbing to our location and he clawed his way up that road. I don't know if he was upset that he had to claw, but it's Gene Schnell for you. Just a great that's a, guy. Yeah, um, it's a, it's I, a beautiful thing. 
I guess the other one is is a little more serious. I guess it's more for for future staffers too, or a point of it. Um, I think every every time you interact with a crew is is always a cool thing, and everybody knows you, you have like your favorite camper. Just some camper on that day, just you know, piques your interest, and in you maybe your your staff interacts with him more than everybody else. Um, we had a kid in, in 06, his name was Stuart and he came up to the porch, you know, normal, not the biggest kid, not the smallest kid, just kind of that kid. And I remember he, he just laughed at everything we said. And you're like, you're going to play off of that because this kid thinks that you're awesome and you know that your jokes are corny and they're bad, but he loves it. And so we started to kind of, to mess with, not mess with him, but just, you know, see him and just get excited. And we did the pole climbs with him and he was fine. Um, you know, had just a good time, you know, great. And so didn't, you know, didn't think anything of it. Um, a couple weeks later, we got a package from, from Stuart's dad. And so he had enclosed Stuart's favorite brownies, but he also enclosed a letter. Um, so Stuart, I think it was, had, had an issue with his kidneys, I think was, was cancer. And after his trek, he went in to go do another round of chemo or to start chemo. And he wrote us a, a really amazing letter that I hope is is in a box somewhere in my house. But I mean, it, it, he had gone into chemo and had been telling people stories about us at Crater Lake. I mean, it was a big deal. You know, his dad told us that, you know, you don't know it, but you touch people's lives doing what you guys do and, and how you treated my son. And I, and I think for every staffer, you don't know what you're if you're if you're helping a kid out who is truly mortified of doing something at Philmont or, or really is in, in a really crazy place medically and just needs a distraction. And, just you know, I'd, any future staffer, just remember that that kid may look 100 percent normal, but that kid may be doing something that's crazy. But that's a that was a really touching thing that even to this day, when I think about it in a letter, I mean, it's I would not have thought of that at 18 I'm making a kid's day who's going to go and sit through rounds of chemo. It's a pretty big deal now that I think about it when I'm 35 and I have two small kids. So Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm really glad that – I'm really glad that, uh, you know, his his dad also took the time to, to write the letter and tell you guys. It's always so important to tell people when they're making yeah. a difference. So um, – Brownies were delicious. <laughs> Send snacks, right? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Um, well, as we wrap it up here, do you want to do any shout outs or nominations and then um, just final imparting thoughts? I, I would say I would love to honestly hear from like Jackie or Ashley Pagnot on here. I would also um, Bob Mosier is another is another just great guy who who was a little older than the rest of the camp directors but Bob was a great guy. I, yeah, I love Bob to death. It's just a great group. You know, there's so many people we could talk to, or you could talk to, excuse me, who would just be fantastic. But I think Ashley or Jackie or Bob Mosier would just be a hoot to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. The best part about this podcast is like, you know, I don't foresee running out of any content ever right (laughs) no not at all that's not even possible yeah so i've i'll add these folks to my list um uh, do you have a a favorite philmont 
piece of memorabilia or like physical object or song or, or anything that you keep with you? Yeah. So I have my, um, I do have my Philmont overall map that has my treks marked on it. I have my three logger staff photos, the black and white ones. These are all hanging on the wall. Uh, my most important thing is, is my silver Philmont tooth buckle. And I got that with my first camp director paycheck because I, in my weird way, I was like, I've only seen camp directors and hire wearing this buckle. And it's like, let me go use my extravagant camp director pay to buy a $100 semi-ish silver belt buckle. And so I still have it. It's still in my closet. It's hooked on a belt. The belt is a little tight, um, but it's on a belt and it's, it's pretty cool. The map is faded. The buckle is legit. I'll wear the buckle. People see the buckle all the time. It's great. Yeah. My favorite yeah. thing. Awesome. Awesome. Um, any final words of wisdom and parting thoughts or? I just want to go to Philmont. Um, but no, it's, it's a great place. You know, I, I'm always happy to talk to people about it. I hope that, I hope it just keeps on going. I think it will. So. 10 4 we'll, we'll hike on. Easy day. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Zach. This was a lot of fun. This was easy and fun and um, a lot of laughs. And um, I just really appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for talking with me. Yeah, we'll see you later. Awesome. Crater Lake Clear.